0: This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton,
1: Illinois. This week's sermon from Easter Sunday is by Pastor Matt Woodley and is part one of our Why Jesus series. About 10 years ago, there was a reality TV show it ran for about nine seasons. It was called uh, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. And anybody ever see that? See that movie? Okay, yep. And uh, basically had the same plot every single episode, right? There's a family that's in crisis, their house is falling apart, they can't afford to fix it. Ty Pennington and his crew come in of designers who are all these high maintenance designers. They fight, they argue, they bicker. They finally come up with a plan and then like a hundred people descend on this house, they rebuild it, they remodel it. It's huge, it's amazing, it's incredible. The family cries, everybody's crying, people watching cry and then the next week they'd have same episode, same plot line, right? I watched this show a couple times and thought, eh, yeah, it's good, but it's just predictable, it's cheesy, until this crew came basically to my hometown where I was living. I was living on Long Island at the time. It's a town called Setauket, New York. And down the road, there's a little town called St. James, New York. And in that town, there was a Long Island cop named John Vitale. He was a young cop. He lived there with his wife, Anne Marie, and his three young boys. Really sad story. We heard about this story. John, uh, Anne Marie, got really sick, had a rare disease. She died at the age of 29, leaving John behind with three boys in this tiny two-bedroom house. Just incredible debt because he spent all his money on on medical bills. And the show adopted him. And so Ty Pennington came and he did what he does. He says, he starts the show from the bus and he says, Hi, I'm Ty Pennington. Let the renovation start now. And then they would go into the show and they descended on this house and they rebuilt it into this amazing house and then you got an update that John had eventually remarried had another child and they're living in this palace and it was amazing story and all of a sudden I really liked this show and finally when I was watching this show it hit me you know I like this show for another reason I like this show because you know what this is the story of Jesus this is what Jesus does, but not to houses. He does this to people. He does this to humanity. Jesus does this. He is the renovator of human lives and human souls. So if you're coming here today and you're wondering, what? why are people so excited? Why are people singing so loud? Eventually, Stuart, our bishop, you're going to see him dance at some point. You'll wonder, why is that man dancing? Okay? Why are people so excited? Well, it's because of this message of the Bible, this message found in Jesus and in his life and his death and his resurrection, that Jesus Christ is the one that can renovate our lives from the inside out and give us hope and give us a new life. There's another verse in the Bible that actually really simplifies this and puts it all into one tiny little sentence. written by a man named Paul who had an encounter with Jesus who experienced this renovation himself and and he put it this way. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's like a whole new creation started. You don't think of the creation of the world. A whole new creation has started in this person's life. The old has passed away and the new has come. Christ brings a new creation. Christ brings a renovation. That's what we proclaim today. That's the message of the Bible. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message the church proclaims. That's the message of Christianity. And in the story that you saw acted out, which is, was word for word from the Bible, the fourth book in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, um, Joseph and Bethany just, they recited it word for word. That's a story from the Gospel of John chapter 20 and i want to just take a few minutes and walk through this story because what happens in this story is that this woman named mary played by bethany becomes like a prototype she becomes like a template she becomes like a plot line for what is going to happen throughout history millions and millions and millions of time as people over the ages from all cultures and nations and races and languages Encounter Jesus and find their lives have been re-ven- renovated by him So she becomes a prototype of that and so if you want to follow along I'm just gonna walk through this I'm just gonna actually read it out of a real Bible and just one thing if you like never read a Bible before you'll notice One thing that's kind of unique about a Bible is that they have these things called verses There's like little numbers on the side. It's because the Bible is such a huge book people couldn't find what they were looking for so like let's break it down in little tiny chunks okay so it just helps you read it and find things in the Bible so in verse 1 we read that on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark now who is Mary Magdalene and why should we care about her well Mary Magdalene was a real historical woman we know a couple things about her we know that she came from the city of Magdala that's why she's called the Magdalene she came from Magdala like a Chicagoan She's a Magdalene. What do we know about Magdala? Well, we know that Magdala was a, pretty much a thriving center for some, some business and some commerce. It was, um, but it was also kind of known as a bit of a party town. So I don't know, think of maybe Wrigleyville. I, I don't know, what, what would you think? Is like a commerce, San Antonio, San Francisco, whatever comes to your mind when you think commerce and a bit of a party time, town, and she was from there. We also know about her that she had some wealth. She wasn't necessarily poor. She actually helped fund Jesus' ministry. She helped pay for some of their expenses while they were on the road. We also know that Mary was a person who had some trouble in her past. Two times in the Bible, it says that Mary had seven demons in her that Jesus had cast out. Now, I don't know if you believe in demons. I do. I don't have a problem with that. It doesn't really conflict with my worldview. I love science. I also believe that there's a spiritual world beyond science. But maybe you have a hard time with that. But at the very least, we can all agree that she was a very troubled person. She had some trouble. Now, Mary has been famous sometimes for supposedly she was married secretly married to Jesus. There is absolutely not a shred of historical evidence for that. Absolutely not. There was actually a re- a Harvard researcher that came out a couple years ago said she would found a new document, proved this. Well actually it was a forgery and so all of these things have been debunked. But anyway, we know that Mary, so this is what she's like, she's competent, she knows how to make money, she's a success, successful person, but she also has some brokenness in her life. So she comes to the tomb. After Jesus has died, they've buried him, they've put him in this tomb and she comes there And she comes there, not because she's thinking he's going to be resurrected from the dead. Actually, none of the followers of Jesus believe that. She's coming to pay respect for the dead. So she shows up, and somebody's taken the body. And so she freaks out. It's like, not only did they crucify this guy, but now somebody's taken his body. How low can you get? So she runs as fast as she can to her friends, Peter and a guy named John. So she comes to them and she tells them, like you heard from Bethany said, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they take him. She's breathless. She's panicking. And they're like, what? you got to be kidding me. And so the text tells us in verses 3 and 4, they start running to the tomb. Peter and Jan, or John, Peter and John, they're running. And they're neck and neck. It's close to the finish line and John, wins by a nose, comes in first thank you so much, yeah thanks thank you. in case you've never seen Chariots of Fire, you need to see the movie, that's from Chariots of Fire so uh, um, seriously, that was a little drama there but it does say this in the text, it says both of them are running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first now why put that in there? why put that detail in there? Well. I think, because it's an eyewitness account. This is what happened. These people aren't making up a myth. They're not just throwing a story together. This is what happened. We were racing. We're two friends. We're racing. We're running. I was a little faster than Peter, but I got there first. But this is a detail because it really happened. So they kind of go in, and they kind of snoop around, and they see, like, the linen that Jesus was wrapped in It's like kind of folded up neat, like somebody's stayed at a uh, a guest house and they've folded their their laundry, you know? And they're like, I don't know, what's going on? Peter, I don't know. John, I don't know, what's going on? It says they believed. We're not sure what they believed because they didn't believe the resurrection yet. And so verse 10, the disciples went back to their homes. I don't know. And Mary's still there. She sticks around. She's weeping. She, imagine this, this woman whose life was so troubled, whose life was, was so broken. And Jesus has put her life back together. And now he's dead, and they've stolen his body. She's a mess. So she's weeping. She continues weeping. And then she turns around, and she sees Jesus at one point. She thinks it's the gardener. And the gardeners were like the lowest people of that society. So he thinks, and she's confusing Jesus with him. And Jesus says to her, I love this. It's so tender. Such a tender word. Here's Jesus, whom Christians believe is God in human flesh. How is he going to respond to this woman who's weeping, whose life is broken, whose life, whose dreams have shattered? He says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? It's so tender. Here's a God who shows up in human flesh, and he cares about our tears. There was a woman writer named Mary Carr. She's a poet, she's a memoirist, she's a novelist. She said once in an interview, she said some really wise words. She said, I don't think any of us get off this planet without suffering enormously. And one of the chief ways we suffer is by loving people who are going to disappoint us and break our hearts. We are all heartbroken, she said. It's the human condition. We are all heartbroken. At some point, in some way, all of us will journey through life and have heartbreaks, have things that hurt us. How does God respond to this? He responds with tenderness. He responds with noticing our tears. And then in verse 16, there's this note of recognition. <clears throat> verse 16, Jesus turns and says, Mary. It's one word, just calls her name, and everything is changed. Have you ever been in a place where maybe you were lost, maybe you were disoriented, maybe you're confused, you didn't know anybody, and then somebody you knew called your name? I remember when I was about 11 years old, I was at a University of Minnesota football game college football game. I was with my dad, and somehow I got separated from my dad. And so all of a sudden, I'm like in this sea of 60,000 people, you know, 11 years old. I'm like scared. There's all these old ladies reaching out to me. Are you lost, Sonny? Are you lost? They were probably about 35, but you know, I was 11 (laughs) at the time. so, So, and I'm like scared, and I'm petrified, and all of a sudden, I hear, Matt, look over. It's my dad. Not lost anymore. That one word, when it's your name, it changes everything. This passage, I said Mary is like a she's like a prototype. That's what God wants to do with you. Wants to call your name. Your name. Call you by name. That's how personal the God of the Bible is. So, notice how this story ends. Verse 18. Mary Magdalene, this broken woman from Magdala, she went and announced to Jesus' disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. As one of my friends has said, she becomes the apostle of the good news to the apostles. She becomes the first witness to the greatest news in the world that Jesus Christ has defeated death and conquered it and can bring renovation to you and to me. Now notice, well, let me ask this question. Why Mary? Why pick Mary? I mean, she's ordinary. She's not spectacular. She's got some good things going in her life. But why Mary? Because God always operates by grace, not by our works. It's not our works that climb a ladder to God. It's His grace and love that climbs down to us and seeks us out. And Mary is a prime example of that, the first one to witness the resurrection. The Gospel writers want us to know that. So notice how Jesus works. He kind of comes, sort of doesn't bypass, but He could have chosen rich people. He could have chosen powerful people. He could have chosen the most beautiful people in the world. It's not that he doesn't want to choose them, but notice how he just kind of points like a, the point of a spear, the tip of the spear right at Mary, this one ordinary, troubled, weeping, successful, mixed-up woman. He comes for her. Now, once this good news starts to spread, the good news of the resurrection, it will begin to transform society. Christians don't always have a perfect track record, by far, but the message of Christianity has done enormous things for ethnicity, norm- enormous things for the lifting up of the poor, enormous thing for lifting up women, enormous things for protecting the unborn and children and the most vulnerable people on this planet. But notice how it's where it starts with one woman, Mary, and she becomes the template, the plot line for what can happen millions of times over, what can happen in you, and what can happen in me. You know, sometimes this happens just so simply, again, with just ordinary people. I moved into my house in Aurora in 2014, And just to give you a little background around, about Aurora, which is the second largest city in Illinois, which nobody knows, which makes me really resentful and bitter that people don't know that, okay? They always think it's Naperville. No, Naperville's overrated. It's not that big, okay? It's not Springfield. Springfield's overrated. It's the capital, but it's not that big, okay? Aurora is the second largest city in Illinois. So anyway, did you know that, Bishop? Okay, so just, I just want everybody to know that. Okay, so anyway, during the uh, 1990s, Uh, Aurora went through some really rough times, a lot of drug problems, a lot of gang activity, a lot of murders It was actually written up in US News and World Report because it was sort of a murder capital of the Midwest Kind of the channel through which all the drugs came Um, So anyway, I'm moving into my house, just so you know that background So I'm moving into my house and this guy's delivering a washing machine for me, a couple guys One of the guys is like a 40-year-old Latino guy, said he moved up from Mexico when he was about 18 and I said, well, yeah, what did, you, what did you do when you first moved to Aurora? Oh, man, I was in, I was in gangs. I was in gangs. I was just full of violence. I, wanted, I hated people. You know, I was doing drugs. I was selling drugs. We were like, we were bad. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I met Jesus Christ. It changed my life. Now I got three kids. I'm a dad. I'm going to church. I'm living for Jesus now. It's like, oh, wow so simple, so straightforward. I just love that. You know, that is the story that God wants to weave into all of our hearts. Now maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know, Yeah, that sounds good. I just don't know if I need it that much, you know? I'm not a Mary. I'm not like that Latino guy you were talking about, that gang member, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm different. I'm, I'm better than that. Well. Let me, let me just say, I was thinking about an illustration for this, and um, I needed a flower, I needed a rose this morning, and so I found one, um, just happened to find one, um, and um, wow, look at that. Okay, so anyway, I was thinking about it, it's like, this rose is really beautiful, right? It's really beautiful. It's going to be beautiful for a while, but there is one thing wrong with this, Rose. You know what's wrong with it? It's not alive. It's got no life flowing into it. To be a Christian is to be attached to the vine. Actually, Jesus said this. To be attached to the vine, Jesus himself, and to have his life flowing into you day by day. So you think Christianity is just coming to church or just trying harder to be a good person. Yeah, that's part of it. But more than anything, it's to have the life of Jesus flowing in you. That's what it means to be a Christian. Every day I wake up, my fundamental decision is, Lord Jesus, I want your life to be flowing in me today. Because there's a lot of stuff I can't do by myself, like loving people, like forgiving people, like like living passionately, like, like getting my priorities straight. I need your life in me today. That's the message of the gospel. God takes broken people, which is all of us, every one of us, no one's better, no one's worse, and He remakes us. He takes proud people, people that are arrogant and egotistical, And he makes them humble. He takes petty, self-righteous people and he expands them with compassion. He takes bored people, people whose dreams have come true. They've done everything they wanted to in life. They've had everything handed to them. Everything's gone right, but they still haven't found what they're looking for. And he makes them dream Jesus' dreams, dreams for the kingdom of God. He takes people curved in on themselves, selfish, and turns them out to the world around them. He takes people hooked by addictions, by alcohol, or by greed, or by drugs, or by hate, or by bitterness, and he frees them. That's the message of the gospel. How do you start? Well, let me just say, this may sound ridiculously simple. But it is really this simple how you start. You ask, you ask. If Jesus really is alive, if he's really resurrected from the dead, that means he's alive. And that means you can talk to him like we've been doing in this church service. You can talk to him. And if you can talk to him, you can say something like this. You could just say, Lord Jesus, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, would you show me that you're real? Or you could say, Lord Jesus, I'm close. I kind of believe. Lord Jesus, would you, I want, I've been like that rose, disconnected. I want to be connected. I want your life flowing in me, not just till the end of this service, but for the rest of my life. I don't know what that means, but I'll figure it out, Lord, with you. May your life flow into me. It really can be that simple. A place to start. And you can do that today. You know, I said um, this is sort of a prototype, it's a template. So I wanted to ask my buddy Jackson Makowski, who uh, reaffirmed his baptismal vows in the first service. Uh, I got to know Jackson through Alpha, which is a program, a 10 week course to explore Christianity. And um, So, and Jackson, we asked him to share his his, uh, little bit of slice of his life for four or five minutes, and please share it again in this service, Jackson. Thanks.
0: On my dad's side of the family, it was customary to baptize all newborn babies, and I was no exception to the rule. After my baptism, I was rarely exposed to anything regarding Christianity. Neither of my parents owned a Bible, and I don't remember praying a single time, besides prayers with my grandparents, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I always believed in God, but I didn't know anything about him. And I also claimed I could live my life without his help, and I was never interested in learning anymore. Now I'm in my sophomore year of college, and I also work part-time at a high-end luxury hotel in Geneva. Surprisingly, it was my work there that started to awaken my heart to Christ. I saw so much unhappiness at the hotel. Husbands cheating on wives, wives cheating on their husbands, greed, hostility, and just an overall sense of loneliness. This made me question what kind of person I was going to end up being. I remember thinking to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. And is life generally this unhappy? I had a long talk with one of my best friends about what I was asking myself and what I saw on a daily basis. I've always looked up to and admired his family's Christian values ever since I became close to them. and I now contemplated what it meant to be a Christian. After a long talk about some Christian beliefs, some doubts I had, and questions about believing in Jesus, we agreed to read the Gospel of John together. In the next couple of months, I saw the Lord speaking to me on so many levels. Every week, any problem in my life or any question I had was perfectly answered in Scripture. I was beginning to realize that God was speaking to me directly. I found peace and comfort in Jesus' words and actions as they seemed to speak right into situations I was going through and questions I asked myself. I also had countless interactions with friends in which God miraculously spoke to me and even through me. It was like nothing I had experienced before, and I could feel the Holy Spirit working through me. I was absolutely amazed at what was happening in my life on so many levels. I decided to follow Jesus and accept him as my savior in a prayer one night. At the following service here at Church of the Resurrection, I felt the Holy Spirit enter me, and I was instantly filled with tears of joy and happiness. This last January, I started the Alpha Course, and it helped me to grow and understand Christ on a deeper level. Throughout the Alpha course, to be able to discuss openly what following Jesus looked like and grow over the weeks was an experience I'll never forget. My life has continued to change since following Jesus. It's the best decision I'll ever make. I look back every day at how easy the Lord made it for me to witness his love, and I pray that others who don't know him can be moved in the same way that I was. Thank you.
1: Um, uh, let me just close by just leading you in a short prayer, and if if this expresses the desire of your heart, I just invite you to pray it to the Lord Jesus, so you can just don't have to pray it out loud, you just pray it in your head, inside, the Lord will hear it, he knows what you're thinking, so let's pray Lord Jesus if you are there, we pray that you would give us signs along the way People in our lives. Maybe there's somebody even here already that's in our life that's that's trying to tell us, Lord. I just pray that if somebody's ready to ask, that they would just say, Lord Jesus, I want your. I want to be connected to you. I want to be uh, turn away from living by myself, for myself, in myself, and I want to be connected to you and have your life living in me. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening.